Amen. All righty, 1 Samuel 19, 1 to 11. As we've been working through this. <clears throat> of course, if you want to title this there at the top, it's just Kill David. <laughs> so, man, they're wanting to kill David. And um, so, as we start off tonight, I want to say that there's a progression of wickedness. If you'll think about Saul, the one thing you realize, he went from eyeing David. Remember that? He said from that point on, he eyed David, right? That's what it said. And then he went from eyeing David to attempting to kill David with the javelin. And then he started plotting against David to kill him. And now we're going to find out he's just going to command him, kill him, right? So there's a progression to this wickedness. And um, there's always a progression to wickedness. If wickedness is free to move, then you're going to find it's always going to progress itself. And uh, so we find in verse 1, 1 Samuel 19, 1, And Saul spake to Jonathan his son and to all his servants that they should kill David. And uh, that's pretty clear, isn't it? So what we're going to find now, <clears throat> and this is a great, great lesson. In verses 2, 3, 4, and 5, we're going to find Jonathan trying to reason with his dad about David. But reasoning with the unreasonable, reasoning with the unstable, reasoning with the double-minded person only works for a moment. And we realize in James it says that the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So let's see what happens here now and learn a great lesson from this. She's saying amen. That's okay. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted much in David. And Jonathan told David, saying, Saul, my father, seeketh to kill thee, now, therefore, I pray thee, take heed to thyself until the morning and abide in a secret place and hide thyself. Well, that's a good thing to do. And I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where thou art. And I will commune with my father of thee. And what I see, that I will tell thee. Well, that's a good plan. Now remember something, reasoning always starts with a plan. I'm going to go reason with them. I'm going to try to reason with them. And always, there's always a beginning when you go to reason with them. Matter of fact, there's a whole college course on reasoning with people. And uh, it's pretty interesting. Verse 4, And Jonathan spake good of David unto Saul his father. Well, he was taking a chance on that, wasn't he? 
But let's see what's happened. And said unto him, let not the king sin against his servant, against David, because he hath not sinned against thee. He's reasoning with his father. And because his works have been to thee word very good. For he did put his life in his hand and slew the Philistine. And the Lord wrought a great salvation for all Israel. Thou sawest it and didst rejoice. Wherefore, then wilt thou sin against innocent blood to slay David without a cause? Uh, Trying to reason with the unreasonable. You can say good, talk good, Present truth and reality. But know this. When you're reasoning with an unreasonable person. They might agree for a moment. But that's all. Now let's read verse 6. And Saul hearkened unto the voice of Jonathan, and Saul sware, as the Lord liveth, he shall not be slain. Well, we're going to find out before we get out of this, that wasn't going to last long, right? Why? Because the unreasonable, double-minded person, boy, when it comes to the things of God, they're totally unstable, all right? And that's one thing that we've got to pay close attention to. Now, there's something I want you to see. When you go to reason with the unreasonable, watch what happens. Now, I want you to look at the last part of verse 5, please. It said, Wherefore, then wilt thou sin against innocent blood? To slay David without a cause. Remember this. When you go to reason with people, Jonathan had done the right thing. You bring the person that you're reasoning with to a place to what they've only got one answer. And if it's how you going to answer that? If there's any right in you, you've got to answer that. Jonathan had walked him straight into this wall. And so, you see, wherefore then wilt thou sin against innocent blood to slay David without a cause? So now, how was Saul going to answer that? You see, there's a lesson in reasoning here. Saul can say something good right now, like a lot of people do. You reason with them, and they'll say something. They'll say the right thing right then. But that's no sign that what they've said right then is going to be 
what do we say, sealed in concrete, whatever, stuck to. It's not. It's something they've said right then. Over the years, I've seen a lot of people try to reason with people. And the people have said the right thing and turned right around and do the wrong thing. So what you see here now is a perfect example of somebody pinning somebody down by reasoning with them and getting his father to say the right thing. You see, what we have here is an example of human persuasion. Human persuasion is often short-lived. Human persuasion, especially in the realm of the spiritual, is absolutely short-lived. Now, this persuasion, this human persuasion, this human reasoning that Jonathan had done with his father, notice this. It did not change the will or the judgment of God. Did it? It didn't change the will or the judgment of God. Not at all. God had already said this is going to happen. Saul, you're out. David's in. That's it. Things got to work out. You see, at times when we go to reason about something, we had better slow down and ask ourselves, God, show me your will in this thing. Show me the truth. Because there's times that you and I can go reason with people. They can give us the right answer. And you walk away from there feeling insecure, empty. You walk away from there with a big question mark. You walk away from there thinking, hmm, I know what he or she or they said, but have you ever done that? Yeah. So now remember this. Human persuasion is often short-lived. And people are willing. I've known people that were very willing to say the right thing at the right moment. But they had no meaning to it whatsoever. None. And that's what you're looking at here. One other, there's a, Progression in this. We started off talking about the progression of wickedness from eyeing David to attempting to kill David to plotting against David to commanding kill David. All right? There's a progression in this. And so Jonathan reasons with his dad, and dad said, okay. He shall not be slain. 
And uh, now watch what happens. There's something here that's just absolutely amazing to me. I mean, this is a mind blower to me. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it happens, yeah, but it's just amazing. It doesn't make sense to me. But it happens. I've had it happen to me in, in some form or another. Verse 7. And Jonathan called David, and Jonathan showed him all those things. And Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in his presence as in times past. Well, uh, now first thing I want you to see is this. When you persuade somebody, and they give you the right answer, I want you to see what Jonathan did. He put David right back in the place to where David could be killed. You see that? Jonathan, he believed that him persuading his dad was going to be a permanent thing, a permanent change. Know this. If you have to talk and talk and talk and persuade somebody into something, it's not permanent. It just, it'll always last just for a little while, then everybody will be right back to doing what they were doing or something. Especially if God's in it. And so we find that it says, as in times past. Now here's David out here fighting all these wars. And when he lays down his shield, sword, bow, sling, whatever it is, then he goes to the palace and plays the harp for the king. <laughs> then when war comes, he Lays down his harp, picks up his stuff, goes back out, kills a bunch of Philistines, then comes back and starts playing the harp again for the king. But we're going to learn something here. As in times past, I want you to know something. That statement right there, as far as Jonathan goes in them, uh, it's never the same. It will never be the same. The only same thing about it is it's just going to give Saul another opportunity to kill David. That's the only same thing about it. Listen. When, when, when you find a circumstance like this, and you try to rebuild it. It's never the same. Don't care what it is. That relationship that started off with is never the same. When Saul first started David, he loved David. Now he hates David. Now, now let's, let's move on to verse 8. Because I'm going to have to slow down here because I've got some things I really want to <clears throat> share with you. 
You see, you got the situation stabilized as it used to be. See that? Right there in verse 7. But watch what happens. And there was war again, and David went out, fought with the Philistines, slew them with a great slaughter. They fled from him. So you had him playing the harp. Then you have him going to war. Wow. And then you're going to find you're going to be playing the harp again here in a second. And Saul's going to try to make sure he, he starts playing the harp in heaven or something. But now watch this. There is always another situation. There's always another circumstance <clears throat> that's going to bring about the past truth. There's always going to be a situation or a circumstance that's going to revive the old conflict. And Saul was so melancholy, so jealous of David, so afraid of David, as long as there was nothing that was going to make David look good, everything was all right. But the minute they went to war, what did David do? He laid down his harp, said, pardon me, king, I got to go out and do some killing. He goes out and kills the Philistines, comes back, picks up his harp, starts playing again. Mind-boggling to me. I, I mean, here's a guy just went out with, with, a, with a sword and a staff and a sling or whatever he was using, and slew a bunch of Philistines, comes back, washes himself, lays everything down, goes back and picks the harp and starts playing again. Wow. You see, you can reason with somebody and they can give you the right answer. But there's always going to be a situation or a circumstance that's going to negate their answer. That's going to negate what they've said. They said that with the intent of pacifying you because you've nailed them to the wall. But now a circumstance has come about and lo and behold, verse 9, Now, here's what we have. In the past, we've talked about the evil spirit, the evil spirit. Now we've got one more time. And the evil spirit from the Lord was upon Saul. Now, the other week I told you that these evil spirits, they're different. There's a different definition, different types of them. And I told you that the evil spirit that they were talking about here... This spirit hates everything that is good and godly. Uh, th this particular spirit here wants to corrupt everything that's right. He wants to destroy everything that's wicked. I mean, that, that's good, make it wicked. He wants to corrupt it all. Now, I want you to think about something. In 2 Timothy 3.3, 3, the Bible tells us 
that in the last days there are going to be people who are going to be despisers of those that are good. That's what it says in verse 3. Why is that? What's going to cause those people to be despisers of those that are good? It's going to be the same evil spirit working in people. You see that? Why are those people going to be like that? Because of the influence of an evil spirit. That's why, they, that's why they're going to be despisers of those that are good. Because that particular evil spirit, he wants to corrupt everything that's good. He wants to destroy and corrupt everything that's godly. He wants to turn everything around that's right. And so, as we look at this now, let's see what happens. And the evil spirit from the Lord was upon Saul as he sat in his house with his javelin in his hand. Now, have you noticed something, ladies and gentlemen? That every time this evil spirit is upon Saul, he's always sitting with his javelin. Have you noticed that? You go back through and read them all. They're all the same way. He's always sitting there with his javelin. You see, when God sends the evil spirit and somebody becomes possessed, they become extremely paranoid. I was talking to a mailman over in West Kentucky. He said that he noticed that when he went to deliver the mail at this one particular house where this guy lived, he always noticed that this guy was hiding outside somewhere, hiding out in the field, doing something. And, and he said he was all right. He said, I was all right until one day I went by there and I saw him laying out in the field with a rifle pointed at me. He said, so I called the police and they, they come out there and this guy was all out of his mind on drugs and stuff and so paranoid he thought that the mailman was just spying on him and he's going to have to kill him to keep him, I mean, just nuts. And so we find Saul here. When God turned this evil spirit loose on Saul, Saul become extremely paranoid. Have you noticed something when you go through the New Testament about what people did in the New Testament when they were under the influence of demons? Man, they tried to kill themselves. They, 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 they wanted to kill others. They, they're paranoid. And so what we find is Watch what happens. And David played with his hand. In other words, the harp. So now there sat Saul. Now notice something. I told you there's a progression of this, right? Now I'm going to turn, I'm going to turn my Bible back to chapter 16 and verse 23. Chapter 16 and verse 23. 
And it came to pass when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul that David took an harp and played with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well when the evil spirit departed from him. All right. Well, something's changed now. The harp playing isn't doing any good now, is it? And the evil spirit from the Lord was upon Saul as he sat in, the, in his house with his javelin in his hand and David played with his hand. Wow. But it's not going to do any good. There's something going on here. Verse 10. And Saul sought to smite David even to the wall with the javelin. That's not the first time we've read that, is it? I mean, back in chapter 18, verse 10 and 11, same thing. It's interesting to me that it said in verse 7, as in time past. Hey, David, as in time past, Saul tried to stick you with that javelin. That's what the past was. Right? Just think about this. Some people want you to forget the past. Even though they tried killing you. They want you to forget the past that I tried killing you because I need another opportunity to kill you. You see, there's some things that we need to learn from this. What makes you think that Saul's not going to try to kill you again? Well, this evil spirit from the Lord. Just just think how this evil spirit affected him mentally. I was talking to a psychologist one time, years ago, and he made this statement. He said to me, he said, I would venture to say that probably 75% in mental institutions are just demon-possessed. He said, uh, if we could change that, we could empty them out. He said, there's some that actually have mental issues. He said, but I've been at this for 40 years, and I'm telling you, he said, why is it I can, I've seen some that uh, God saved they come out of the mental institution, went to work at church, built a home, everything. And he said everybody previously said they're nuts, they're crazy, they're melancholy, they're this, they're, they're they, you know, their head screwed on, their faces forward, but their minds working backwards or something, you know. And uh, it was interesting. He gave me all kinds of testimonies of people that he had worked with that were in mental institutions, but then God saved them 
And guess what? They didn't need the mental institution no more. You know what we're looking at right here? We're looking at a bad case. Saul had a bad case of of an evil spirit, didn't he? Well, you see, the harp used to help. But the harp's not helping anymore, is it? Know this, folks. There is a progression of wickedness. Saul eyed him. Then Saul attempted to kill him. Then Saul plotted against him. Then Saul commanded, kill David. See the progression of that? And so it is with this progression. And so Jonathan reasons with him. And Saul hearkened unto the voice of Jonathan, and Saul swear, as the Lord liveth, he shall not be slain. Well, that sounds good until you have the next bout with this evil spirit. Now just think about this. Under the control, under the influence of an evil spirit. Up in the New Testament, the Bible says that as far as the lost person goes, that they're taken captive at Satan's will. That's what it says in Timothy. They're taken captive at Satan's will. Look at Saul. Same thing, isn't it? He was under the influence of this evil spirit All the time? No. When the evil spirit wanted to, when he was there, God had turned him loose on him. There he is. He's yours. And the evil spirit from the Lord was upon Saul. You see, ladies and gentlemen, that's why James says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Because, listen to me now, because of the influences in that person's life. I've seen people that was just as nice and as stable as anything. But boy, when they got around a particular influence, they didn't even act like the same person. And you're adults, you've seen people like that. So what we have here now, that which used to bring some ease, deliverance, and stability there in chapter 16, verse 23, the playing of the heart, now it does nothing at all. It didn't calm him down a bit, did it? 
No, no, no. You see, one of the marks of demonic influence, evil influence in somebody's life, that which used to pacify them no longer does. That is an absolute manifestation of satanic influence in somebody's life. That which used to pacify them no longer does. They go up and down, up and down. Verse 10. And Saul sought to smite David even to the wall with the javelin. But he slipped away out of Saul's presence and he smote the javelin into the wall and David fled and escaped that night. Well, you read the same incident over in chapter 18, verses 10 and 11. And it came to pass on the morrow that the evil spirit from God come upon Saul, and he prophesied in the midst of the house, and David played with his hand, as at other times, and there was a javelin in Saul's hand. There it is again. And Saul cast the javelin, for he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it. And David avoided out of his presence twice. You see, Saul's heart and mind was hardened. And then it became harder and harder. In Exodus, we read the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. And uh, there's something about this that we've got to look at. How does this heart work? What's some of the manifestations of it? I want you to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 30. Deuteronomy chapter 2 and verse 30. It's going to tell us something here. Let me read it to you now. Deuteronomy 2, 30. But Sion, king of Heshbon, will not let us pass by him, For the Lord thy God hardened his spirit and made his heart obstinate that he might deliver him into thy hand as appeareth this day. A hardened heart is obstinate. Now, that obstinate heart I've been around people who were hard-hearted about something. They were quite obstinate. What that means? That means they were not going to change their mind. They were not going to change their attitude. They were not going to change their actions. I mean, buddy, they had it. That's it. Done. Over with. Right or wrong. God like it or don't like it. That's it. They were obstinate about it. 
And one of the definitions that we see here, one of the signs of satanic influence in somebody's life, young or old, is that they're going to be absolutely closed to doing right and they're going to be obstinate about it. They're going to do what they want to do. They're going to do the wrong thing and they can care less. They're going to be obstinate in their character. Very, very important. That being obstinate. Have you ever been around somebody that's just absolutely dead set on doing wrong? Wow. You see, that's what obstinate means. A hard heart produces an obstinate person. They're going to have their way, period. They don't care right or wrong. They're going to be obstinate. That's a manifestation of influence. Why are you so obstinate? Well, because. Because why? That's just the way it is. They can't answer you. They're just going to do it that way. I learned some amazing things when I was working for the Green County Sheriff's Department many, many years ago. Because over in the the hospital where we were at, they had a huge psych ward. One whole wing was a psych ward. I mean, they, they had some of the funniest things happen in there you could ever imagine. I mean, things that would just cause you to lay on the floor and laugh. But there were some other things in there, though, that caused you to slow down and take notice. But when you see consistency, in things, then you can learn something. These, we had, there were some people in there that were truly mentally ill. They were just as consistent in their personality as anything. I mean, if they slobber on themselves, they've done it 24 7. That's it. But there was others in there. Boy, their personality was up and down, up and down. Uh, Laughing one minute, mad, crazy cussing the next minute, hugging you one minute, wanting to cut your throat the next. But there's one thing that always stood out about those people. When they got in a mean way, they were 100% obstinate. You were not going to talk them out of it. No way, shape, or form was you going to talk them out of it. They were obstinate. The head psych for that thing said one day about their determination. He said, well, those people, that's the same guy that I told you about earlier. He said, those people are being influenced. That's why they become 
docile one minute and then totally mean and obstinate a little later on. What we find Saul was going to do something. Saul's heart and mind was hardened toward David. When Saul was under the influence of this evil spirit, what did he do? He was afraid. We already looked at that. He was afraid of David. Then he was more afraid of David. What's that? It's like some of the drug addicts in them. Paranoia sits in. They become afraid of everything. You see, Saul was under the influence. And look at him now. Last week we looked at that. He was afraid. Now he's more afraid of David, it said. And now we find him. Jonathan's going to reason with him. He's going to give Jonathan the right answer. But it's not going to last long, is it? Because as soon as David comes back from this war, sits down, starts playing the harp, and then the satanic influence comes upon Saul, Saul's jealousy of David, Saul's hatred of David, Saul's fear of David, all comes back. Well, if the Bible teaches us these characteristics of demon possession, satanic influence, then guess what? If the Word of God teaches these things to us, All we have to do is stop and look and you'll see those same things in other people. You know that? All you have to do is watch it. And you'll see it. So now let's see. Verse 11 real quick. And Saul also sent messengers unto David's house to watch him and to slay him in the morning. And Michael, David's wife, told him, saying, If thou save not thy life tonight, tomorrow thou shalt be slain. Wow. So David bailed out. But I want you to write your, in your notes, write this down. 1 Kings 22, 20 to 23. 1 Kings 22, 20 to 23. What you find, that's where God sent a lying spirit. There's different types of spirits. Now listen to me. God can use a wicked spirit. God can use anything he wants to. He's God. 
And God can turn these evil spirits loose. And boy, when He does, just think about this. In 1 Kings, He's going to send the lying spirit. Well now, hold it folks. What about today? God shall send them strong delusion. How does He send strong delusion? He does it with a lying spirit. That evil, wicked spirit has lied to millions of lost people all across this globe. And look at what they've accepted. They've accepted and believed the lie. It's very important for you and me to learn from the Word of God what God can do. He can do anything He wants to. I mean, think about it. He can make a jackass talk. He can turn a king into big bird. He can lock the the mouth of the priest. He can open it up. He tells the angels what to do. He tells the demons what to do. He's God. And so when I look this up, I realize a lying spirit, just think about that. A lying spirit. Oh, how that lying spirit is being used today in the world. What's happening right now is not localized. It's it's, it's localized on earth. (laughs) That's it. So you see, folks, I want you to realize there's some great lessons in this. And these great lessons will teach us some things. And these lessons are important because when that evil spirit was not upon Saul, Saul was going to answer correctly. But guess what? You couldn't accept that answer. Because, listen, remember this now. I want you to look at verse 6, verse 9, then I'm done tonight. Okay? And Saul hearkened unto the voice of Jonathan, and Saul swears the Lord liveth, he shall not be slain. And the evil spirit from the Lord was upon Saul as he sat in his house with his javelin in his hand, and David played. And Saul, verse 10, and Saul sought to smite David. Look at the difference. I want you to know something. Uh, I, 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 I distinctly remember this man telling me, something's wrong with my son. And uh, the guy I was standing with said, well, he's on drugs. He said, yeah. He said, but you know, he's getting to where he's dangerous. 
he's getting to the point to where he wants to kill somebody, do something dangerous. The boy finally went totally bonkers one night and just the dad had enough sense to get everybody out of the house. They called the police. The police come up. There's a big shootout. Finally, the boy uh, gave up, got scared, quit, whatever. But um, what happened to him? You see, when you open the door to satanic and demonic influence, mark it down. It's always going to go downhill. Right? And so it is with Saul. Remember something. As an evil spirit can destroy everything that's good and godly, a lying spirit will get you to believe a lie. Ever, ever so important. Don't believe the lie. And remember something. Saul, was Saul consistent? No. The Bible says the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Unstable. Unsta- Everybody say unstable. unstable. That's right. That means he's not stable. See that? Saul wasn't stable. He said this. But could you trust that? No. No. All it took was a circumstance to give him the opportunity to go back like he was, and he did. Gather around, let's pray.